0: The average national gas price right now is three dollars and fifty-one cents per gallon, which is up a full dollar from the same time last year. Welcome to American Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. American Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can listen to American Focus and all of our podcasts at AmericasTalking.com. That's AmericasTalking.com. Now here's your host, Dan McCaleb.
1: Thank you, Cole, and welcome to America in Focus, the podcast where we talk about the issues from our nation's capital that matter to you. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire service. America in Focus is brought to you by America's Talking Network. If you're tired of the divisive rhetoric coming from echo chambers in our country today, America's Talking Network is for you. America's Talking Network is a new podcast hub where you can find your new civil conversations, and all of the Center Square's podcasts. Go to America's Talking.com to check out all of the available podcasts. Once again, that's America's Talking.com. Joining me today, as he does every week, is Casey Harper, Washington, D.C. Bureau, Bureau Chief for the Center Square. Casey, Monday is President's Day. That's a holiday for many across the country. Do you have a favorite president?
0: A favorite president. I mean, there's so many to choose from Dan, you know, I have a friend whose favorite president is Calvin Coolidge because, uh, Calvin Coolidge did very little and exercised his executive authority almost never. And in his mind, that is, uh, the proper role of the president. Um, but I think I probably, after all my meandering have to land on the one only George Washington, uh, the father of the country war hero. Just if you, the more you read about him, the more you disrespect him and how he led against really impossible odds against the British Empire and uh, maybe most importantly, stepped down after eight years when he could have easily become king.
1: All right, that's a that's a pretty um, fair and boring
0: safe answer. Oh, whatever, what are you gonna fake? <laughs> What, Trump? Is that your favorite president?
1: Uh, well, time. I've been in Illinois for the past 17 years, so I'd have to go with uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, I suppose. Do you um, remember
0: when he was, were you at his inaugural?
1: <laughs> Not quite that old case. Oh, okay. But, but thank you
0: <laughs> i uh, had some sentimental personal value for you sorry
1: member of the illinois legislature uh, mm-hmm. represented uh, illinois in congress before um elect uh, deciding to run for president um, of course he was the president during the civil war um the emancipation proclamation that freed the slaves um been to the uh, abraham lincoln museum in springfield illinois a couple of different times so uh, yeah. Might be another easy way out of answering that question. But how can you go wrong with Abraham Lincoln?
0: Yeah, you, you talked about a fair and easy answer. And then you picked Abraham Lincoln. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's a glass house over here. But that's a good choice. He's definitely uh, one of my favorites as well. for sure.
1: All right, Casey, let's get into the, the news of the week. Uh, we've been talking about um, uh, inflation and how it's affected uh, prices across the country for the past year here among them gas prices now in washington there is a uh, momentum gaining for um temporarily sp- suspending uh the nation's 18 cent per gallon gas tax tell us about what's going on here
0: yeah i mean i'm sure that all of our listeners have noticed that getting a gallon of gas has become a lot more expensive no matter where you live and in certain states like uh Illinois, probably in California, for sure, in New York, uh, those rate, those gas prices are rising at even higher rates. And really, especially since Biden has taken office, um, gas prices have begun to soar. So AAA, which keeps track of, uh, you know, nationwide gas prices, say, have basically kept track and say the average national gas price right now is $3.51 per gallon, which is up a full dollar from the same time last year. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about inflation. I think we'll talk more about it, but one of the biggest drivers of inflation has been just skyrocketing, um, energy prices, energy prices have increased, increased by about a third in the last 12 months, which is just, is, is crazy. You know, your electric bill, um, you know, your heating bill, your, your filling up your gas tank has all become a lot more expensive. And so um congress is kind of scrambling on this biden is you know worried about it uh you know it's one of the fundamental rules of old school politics is uh, don't mess with gas prices you know that affects everyone people don't like high gas prices and they blame whoever is in charge so there's some Senate democrats trying to scramble and figure this problem out and they've actually proposed uh suspending the federal gas tax um People I think some people may not even know there is a gas tax or a federal one. There's also state gas taxes. But the federal gas tax is is about eighteen cents per gallon and is used for highway funding. Um but there's some catches. You might say, Oh great, getting rid of the gas tax. What's the problem? Well, um one is you you know, you just passed an infrastructure bill and then you're gonna cut one of the big sources of highway funding. So I'm it's more
1: sure plus of infrastructure bill, right?
0: Right. So it's not clear like I think you know you may cut the gas tax and have to uh, hit people somewhere else. So that may not be good. And then also it looks like uh, this proposed uh, gas tax will go just right through. Yes. You guessed it. The November midterms. Mm -hmm. So uh, right after you vote for the new party and you might see your gas prices spike back up.
1: There's plenty of people who blame um, Biden's oil and gas policies um, for at least part of the uh, uh, rise in gas prices. Of, you know, when he first took office, um, he he uh, canceled the permits to build the Keystone pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, he banned new permits on uh, oil and gas drilling on federal lands. Um, he he essentially begged OPEC nations um, yeah. to increase production. It, uh, under President Trump, uh, the U.S. became energy independent um um but but now the president because of his policies uh was asking other nations halfway across the world uh to produce more oil and gas um yeah what do you make is that somewhat contradictory or what what do you make of that
0: yeah i mean it's uh Democrats are very motivated by re- reducing um, the use of fossil fuels. And obviously there's a lot of climate change, reasoning and language um, behind why they're doing that. But the thing is this country still runs on fossil fuels and uh, there's big consequences when you just make big unilateral decisions to cut off our major sources of <laughs> things like oil and gas. And so um, there often also tends to be a little bit of hypocrisy. So in the example that you uh, laid out, um, it's not that we actually cut our consumption. It's just that we stopped producing it here with American jobs. And then we started asking um, foreign, you know nations with questionable human rights records to uh, ship the oil here, which is actually much less efficient. You know, you can imagine just uh, getting the oil in America and already having it here versus, having to ship it across the world, which is actually, you know, uses a lot of fossil fuels to ship such huge quantities. And so, um, there's often a kind of an inefficiency if you look a little bit beneath a lot of these uh, efforts towards climate change, I think we both, you know, we want to have a a healthy planet. We want to have, um, you know, unpolluted air and water and, and be in a, a renewable energy landscape. But, you know, often politicians don't have the, really the knowledge, uh, understanding these issues or the, you know, the support uh, or the technology doesn't exist to really do this in the right way. And so it sounds good to cut, you know, to cut federal oil drilling. That'll solve the problem. But it's we're drilling just as much oil, but it's overseas. And we're having to ship it here. The same is true with some uh, new, you know, there's like the electric cars issue. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to electric cars, but they also run on rare earth minerals that are, you know, mined in parts of Africa. With uh, child slave labor. <laughs> and so, you know, it's uh, I think uh, the reason I bring all this up is one side is often demonized um, much more than the other. But I, I think when we do reporting on these issues, it's often a little more complicated than some of the moralistic decrees that are made uh, by one party.
1: And and you also have the looming uh, crisis crisis. Uh, in russia and the ukraine um yes this hasn't been a major focal point of what's going on there but russia supplies much of europe um um yes with its sure. with with its oil and with uh, european countries to varying degrees um stepping up and saying that they're going to help defend Ukraine and blasting Russia. There's speculation that Russia could cut off its oil supplies to Europe, so they would be dependent on other other nations and perhaps including um, the US. That could that could create if Russia does, in fact, um, invade Ukraine. And I I should say we're recording this on Friday, February 18th. um, um, Some national security folks say uh, an invasion could happen at any moment. So um, if Russia does, in fact, invade Ukraine and cut up oil supplies, there, energy prices could skyrocket even more.
0: No, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Russia is a big oil supplier and it just all you may say, well, we don't get all our oil from Russia. Well, um, it'll affect the market overall. And all these other nations that are used to getting oil from Russia will then go to some of the people that we get it from, um, which will raise the prices and there'll be even more pressure on this and so uh you know republicans have not really supported this measure to cut the gas tax what they really proposed as an alternative is hey let's drill in america let's have americans um, working uh there's many states economies that are heavily reliant on oil and gas jobs like you know texas um uh there's some southwestern states that are really reliant on oil and gas you know and so they would say let's put those guys to work
1: yeah
0: yeah. And I mean, a lot of our state, you know, at the center we do a lot of great state gas yeah, state coverage in New Mexico for is a good example. I mean, their state budget is very reliant on oil and gas money, you know? So, uh, there's a lot of implications when you just say, well, we're going to be, um, we're going to quote unquote, do the right thing and cut off oil funding or oil drilling, especially when places like China are still doing it at rapid, maybe even accelerated rates and You know, I mean, China's uh, use of coal mines is so extravagant and just goes so far beyond anything that New Mexico is doing, uh, you know, through oil and gas. So, again, it's more complicated and it it just raises the counterpoint of the Republicans, which is let's not be reliant on others, especially when the world is so volatile right now. And let's be clear,
1: there's still plenty of oil production going on in the U.S. Biden's Mm -hmm. policies have made it more difficult um, uh, to expand um, oil drilling um, um, and and the the, the new regulations, uh, new taxes on oil industries. So, anyway, this is obviously most Americans care about uh, what they're paying at the uh, at the gas pump so we'll we'll be following this story at the center square.com um let's let's move forward speaking of inflation um casey a new uh, study out uh this week that says uh more americans are leave it living um paycheck to paycheck despite rising wages what's this about
0: yeah um This is a really interesting study from Lending Club, which found that 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, which is an increase of seven points since May of last year. So, you know, it looked at different groups like baby boomers, um, which, you know, you would hope uh, would be the kind who have kind of got their finances in order by this point and are ready for retirement, right? Uh, They're living 54% of baby boomers and seniors are living paycheck to paycheck, which is uh, even more scary because they don't have... The same, you know, ability to kind of rebound the way a Gen, uh, Gen Z or Millennial could. So, we're seeing a majority of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. It's increased, um, and since Biden took office, to what degree that could be, you know, attributed to him. You know, you could ask about that. The pandemic really hit a lot of people um, pretty hard. A lot of people lost their jobs because of the uh, COVID shutdowns, which, in retrospect, have been it was proven that they really did almost nothing um, to stop the pandemic. So if anything, you know, this could be a good, you know, learning lesson for us. I mean, I think a lot of people wanted to take the pandemic seriously in the beginning and we're open to, you know, not going out to eat for a few weeks, if that's what it took, but that kind of spiraled, um, and cost a lot of people their jobs. And now far more people are living from paycheck to paycheck. And so if you look at this, uh, other part of the study it says Gen Z, um, for those living paycheck to paycheck, have a savings at $1,158. Um, which, you know, it's not enough to survive any kind of real emergency health crisis. Right. Uh, I mean, you get a great point there. You rear end, you rear end a, a, a nice truck and you're in trouble, thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, and, and,
1: so. and in the longer term, you're not you're not able to um, you set money aside with with the goal of eventually retiring. Right. Um, you, you, so, so savings are down um, when you're when you're having to spend all of your weekly paycheck um, just on everyday bills, you can't set money aside with the, with the goal of long-term retirement plans.
0: Right. And it's important to look at stats like these. And um, because, you know, I studied economics in college, I write about, you know, the economy a lot and there's this temptation among economic experts and professors and even the media to say, Oh, uh, GDP is up this, you know, GDP is increased and the stock market's doing great. Therefore the economy's doing great. And it's like, well, are regular people doing great, you know, are average Americans, do they have money Are are they saving? Are they in debt? I think that's a much better uh, measure of the economy for, you know, because sometimes GDP increase could go mo- mostly to hedge fund guys. I mean, and so it's more complicated than some of these top line numbers like GDP in the stock market. Um, we want to know, you know, we cover the taxpayer focus. So is the average taxpayer um, is, are they doing well financially? Are they able to save for their kids' colleges and for retirement? Are they being crushed by the taxes? Are they able to find good jobs when they go to the grocery store? How much do things cost? So I hope that we've done a good job covering it, but that's kind of uh, the economic angle I'm most interested in um, because, you know, that's our listeners. um, And I think the media kind of neglects that angle often and focuses just on the, on Wall Street and on the Dow uh, when, you know, that doesn't always impact people's day to day lives.
1: Another uh, story that we've been covering quite a bit at the center com and talked about on this podcast, uh, Casey, is uh, the uh, illegal immigration Border crisis, um, since President Biden's taken office, uh, illegal immigration, southern border crossings um, have skyrocketed. Now there's a new poll out this week. How do Americans feel about uh, the immigration situation?
0: Yeah, this is def- this is another one of those issues that has changed drastically uh, since Biden took office. Some things remain the same. Some have changed. Immigration is one that's changed a lot. And Gallup released new polling data this week, which showed that 58 percent of surveyed Americans are dissatisfied with the current immig- uh, level of immigration only 34% are satisfied um that's an in- 8 point increase in dissatisfaction uh and really like since Biden you know has really taken over and so it's interesting to see that cor- correlation 8 points 8% of people are um you know much more unhappy about immigration 7% are more are living paycheck to paycheck and so on multiple fronts Americans are feeling the pinch even though the pandemic what you know you can't attribute this all to the pandemic because the pandemic's going on a couple of years now and so uh, the, the poll says that last year those dissatisfied were about equally as likely to favor an increase as a decrease because theoretically if, if they're not happy about immigration they could want more right um but now it's, it's much more skewed to those who are unhappy, this majority who are unhappy, think they're, the immigration levels are too high. Um, since Biden's taken office, there has been a huge spike in illegal, immigrate, uh, illegal immigrants coming across the border. Um, I think uh, it's, it looks, US Customs and Border Patrol is arresting about 3000 people a day. Um, and that doesn't even count all the ones they're not catching, right? Right, right. right. Yeah, so, yeah, the, and so in, in
1: 2021, uh, Customs and Border Patrol re- reported nearly two million encounters of of uh, people trying to cross the border illegally. But as you said, that number does not count the ones that are you know, six uh, successfully making it across the border um, undetected.
0: Yeah, and I think this is another issue back to that theme of what's impacting real people. You know, if you live in Manhattan and you could just say like, oh, you know, my. My condo's great. Uh, the you know the Dow is great. Therefore, the economy is great. America's doing good. But if you live in a Texas border town and your family's living paycheck to paycheck now, and groceries cost more, and there's way more people like running through your backyard every day <laughs> to get across the port, you know, to get in, up north into the United States. I mean, it's just a different picture, right? Um, we want to cover uh, the whole range of American experiences. But I mean, I'd be curious, you've, you know, immigration has really been such a it's been a problem and a a top issue for a long time. I'd be curious to hear from you how you feel like this compares to previous administrations or if you've seen a trend. Um, I mean, I think in recent memory, we know that immigration did drop under President Trump, but he really made it a priority um, in a way that most presidents haven't. So how do you how do you see this comparing to, you know,
1: well twenty 2020, yeah twenty twenty one and in the beginning of twenty twenty two I've never seen anything um like it you've also you have um the Mexican cartels um who are trafficking people and uh illegal mm-hmm. drugs the the fentanyl crisis in this country exploded yeah. in the past year and it was largely because of uh, Mexican cartels smuggling um uh the the deadly narcotic across the open borders um uh the southern border in mexico from from mexico into the u.s um and we have a correspondent who's been covering the border crisis um uh for us who've who've talked to who has talked to um local sheriffs and local um mayors um in these border towns and but let me make it clear too it's not just a border community uh problem um uh, texas has hosted texas governor greg abbott has hosted um governors and attorneys general from across the country mostly republicans um who who they say um um you know as far north as kansas and montana and wyoming who they say they've noticed a vast increase in fentanyl um distribution in their states largely because of um, the Mexican cartels smug having an easier time smuggling it, it across the border since President biden took office so I it, it is a not everyone is willing to call it a crisis um, but from based on the reporting I've seen and the conversations I've had with the correspondent who's been covering this for us it is a very real crisis
0: yeah I think that fentanyl thing is is an undercovered crisis because there's so many overdoses. Um, You you don't have to look far to just see that this uh, is really become an epidemic nationwide. And if you trace it back to a source, you're absolutely right that it is coming uh, mostly across the Southern border. And if you're really going to do anything substantive to address it, um, you're going to have to at least, you know, cut down on just the sheer quantity that's coming across. And I think the, maybe the last thing on this is that, so far what we've seen from the biden administration is kind of ignoring the issue uh i think you know biden has done al- almost nothing really on the border so i, I won't even say he's done bad things or, or good things he just has done nothing he has made it harder for ice immigrations and custom enforcement to uh deport illegal immigrants but overall he hasn't done very much and i think he doesn't want to talk about the issue it's not a winning issue for democrats right now he would rather talk about um you know child tax credit and holding back Russia because those are issues he feels comfortable on. But you know, we'll keep covering them. And you know, maybe, maybe uh, he will feel the pressure before the next election to take some kind of action on the border. But right yeah. now, we just uh, I don't know.
1: Well, one last point on this too. Um, Texas Governor Greg Abbott last year launched Operation Lone Star because, as you said, the federal government wasn't prioritizing the crisis at the border. Uh, um, so he he uh, he launched an operation in his state to use state resources. This is should be a federal government issue um because it involves the border um but to use state resources um uh, to try and reduce this illegal immigration that's going on and now you've got Democrats in Congress Democrats in Texas who are saying that that operation is illegal and needs to end it's almost as if they don't care about what's going on at the border
0: yeah I mean there's kind of a theme here which is that there's a a trend towards kind of moralizing that we see in the in the Democratic Party, when a lot of these issues are more complicated, it's like on climate change was the example earlier. You can kind of take the moral high ground, um, but when you look into it, it's a little more complicated. And I think this is the same with the borders. There's kind of this faux moral high ground to not be racist and to just be an accepting country, right? Which sounds good and sounds moral. Uh, when you look into it, it actually has some real consequences, and, and maybe there's a smarter way to go about it than just making kind of generalized edicts about how we should be a good accepting nation maybe it's a little more complicated than that
1: okay casey we have just about two more minutes to talk about a fairly complex um topic um uh that much of the media is ignoring uh a bombshell report this week from um uh, from john durham regarding uh the the Hillary clinton campaign spying on the trump campaign and perhaps even the trump white house what what that Break this down for us in, in as simple of terms as you can.
0: Yeah, I'll try to. I think this is a, a very interesting story. Um, you know, President, former President Trump called this bigger than Watergate, uh, which may be hyperbole, but it does seem to be a pretty good story. And you're absolutely right that the mainstream media has largely ignored it, although it's becoming increasingly more difficult to do that. So the uh, the shortest summary I can make of this is that when he became president, Donald Trump appointed um durham john durham to investigate where all this russia stuff came from in the first place you know we know the initial
1: that, was that russia trump was partnering with russia to fix the 2016 election in which trump beat hillary clinton That's good
0: right and the F and the fbi investigated that so trump launched an investigation to find out why the fbi investigated that because obviously he says it's it's not true at all and so he wanted to know where it came from and so uh Durham, the guy in, in charge of that released uh, new court filings which basically <clears throat> alleged that one of hillary clinton's lawyers campaign one of the clinton campaign's lawyers had uh basically um hired a had been working with a tech firm to mine white house servers to kind of find uh russian evidence so basically and and on trump towers um, and then had been handing that information over to the FBI, but wasn't telling the FBI like how he was getting it. Um, and he lied to the FBI allegedly about that. And he has been charged formally with that. And so um, basically, remember you probably remember when everyone kind of laughed at Trump for saying he was being spied on by the FBI and his campaign was being spied on. Well, it looks like uh, that's looks like he was totally right <laughs> on that one actually and he was being spied on and one of hillary's uh, lawyers might actually go to jail for it wow
1: all right well that's a story we'll also be following at the center uh, dot com but casey we have run out of time we'll talk to you next week